The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. Quick handoff. Weissman close to the goal line. The indication is touchdown. The Hawkeyes pounded in from the one with Mark Weissman. Offensive line owned that drive. The Hawkeyes come out. Offensive linemen Scherf, Tobin, Ferentz, Blythe, and Van Sloten did an excellent job in the trenches for the score. Weissman squeaks in for the touchdown. They kind of throw a couple of jabs with Bullock and then the haymaker with Weissman. Hello, Hawkeye fans. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeye's Mike. This podcast features former NFL and Iowa Hawkeye star Marv Cook. Marv breaks down Iowa's home win over the UNI Panthers, and he previews the upcoming game against Central Michigan. This program also features the weekly Big Ten Conference update. This Hawkeye's Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs this year, which include regulars Brent Balbinot and Marv Cook, as well as several Hawkeye's beat reporters and columnists, including the Gazette's Scott Docterman the Hawkeye Susan Dink, and Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times. Be sure to also check out Brent Balbinat's Press Box Report and both of the reporter's notebook shows. The Iowa-Northern Iowa game highlights are courtesy of BTN with announcers Tom Wormy and former Hawkeye Dana Hughes. A decent job in play-by-play and analysis. We very much appreciate it and thank them. Hawkeyes Mike football programs come to you following every game during the entire season and are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes and remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group in Coralville, Iowa. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. We welcome back Marv Cook for his weekly X's and O's stint on Hawkeye's Mike. Marv breaks down Iowa's win over UNI and previews Central Michigan. Marv and I also talk about the state of the Big Ten. Marv, a Northern Iowa team with an exciting offense, probably an overmatched defense, especially as the game went along. It's a game Iowa should have won, certainly needed to win at this point in the season, and it did. Yeah, and then and, and you know, kind of the way they went about it was was the typical Iowa win. I mean, I, uh, you know, I didn't like the idea that you and I came out that first drive and marched right down the field, a lot like Iowa State did, and scored a touchdown in their first possession. But ultimately, that defense was able to stiffen up, make the adjustments, and then contest everything from that st- that standpoint forward. So, and then Iowa just didn't never got away from their game plan which was obviously to run the football i think we found a running back and that fits our system and and then that helped set up the play action pass in a great way so uh you know really good development as the game went on and getting better and better and better and as you mentioned i think just ultimately the the better team ended up winning down the stretch clearly iowa's best offensive performance of the year probably not one that would get them a lot of big 10 wins yet but that's a couple of weeks down the road Um, talk about the offense overall the play of vandenberg and then we'll get to the running backs after that. Yeah, well, I mean, I think, you know, obviously, I'm a fan of Vandenberg. I really think, one, he's a great leader. I think he's a winner, uh, which I think shows up. And then, two, you know, the receivers made plays. I mean, they had some big catches that they needed to make. There was a couple third down critical situations where Keenan Davis made a nice, you know, deep out route uh, for a first down, and and the Wiseman kid made a nice play on a third and 15 screen play or something where he broke three tackles and got the first down and led, led to a touchdown. You know, so a lot of times when we had to make plays, our receivers, our backs did make plays, and that was 
was a good sign that they were able to convert and move the chains and then ultimately score points. So we're a running team and we running. We need a running game and, and we got it in, in Wiseman and, and the way he, he ran is perfect for his own running team. He's very decisive. He doesn't waste motion. He's going north and south for at least three, four yards and then he'll, he'll give you more after that. But he's going to basically put it downhill and, and get behind those linemen. And, and we were getting four or five on the basic plays, uh, which is huge. And then, he, you know, then you're starting to able to rip off 12, 14, 15 later in the game. So, and then ultimately that forced you and I to bring the safety down and now you got the play action pass and now you got Martin Manley going down the middle of the field making big plays for us in the passing game. So that's how, that's the MO of Iowa and that's what they were able to execute later in the game. I know fans were concerned the first week in particular, even the Iowa State game, about the lack of a vertical passing game from Iowa, but they really uncorked it last weekend. Still not as deep as I'd like. I mean, I'd still like to see that deep post route or that deep nine route, you know, being con- converted and, and completed, at least even attempted. But, you know, what we were doing is they were play action, like I said, and then Martin Manley was coming from the slot into the middle of the field, and they were completing it at 12, 14 yards, and then he was running for an additional 10 or 15 yards. So they were longer plays, which is good, you know, but we still need to, you know, that, that's the intermediate passing game. We still need to get the longer down the field passing game as well. Yeah, I was one of only four FBS teams at this point in the season without a passing touchdown. That's an amazing statistic, yeah. yeah. And the other statistic that is kind of concerning, I think, right now, I and mean, it's not to nitpick after a win, but the fact that they're not getting points off the off the turnovers. The, the defense is giving them a fair number of turnovers, and Iowa's not cashing in on them right now. Yeah, and that's, that's just going to come with time and, and being able to convert, like I said, convert those third down conversions that you need to get into third and short so you can make those plays and, and keep the ball moving into the red zone and then ultimately punch it in but uh, you know the other thing I'd like to see is, is you know is, is special teams you know big plays off the of special teams either return game off the punt punt block or something that changes field position changes momentum and, and takes advantage of a skill set that Iowa has and, and we just haven't had that as be part of our game and they're such a big part of the game you know special teams plays the ball is moving so much on the field that if you have a great return man or a great return team that's a huge part of of, of helping out the offense. They're getting something out of the kick returns now, and you can begin to see something maybe happening there, but they're still getting zilch out of punt returns. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, yeah, 40-yard line starting point's a good starting point for a kick return, but I'm, I'm talking about that 95-yarder, you know, that 105-yarder that really gets the crowd going and gets them jacked up and, and, and can deflate a team that maybe isn't quite sure if they're going to be able to compete with you. And so hopefully we'll start getting some of that in, in, uh, in the next few weeks. Yeah, the other thing, and you alluded to it earlier, and I know play action doesn't really work very well if you haven't shown you can have an effective ground game, but last week they had an effective ground game and you saw the play fakes really working for the first time yeah, this season. It's very, very tough to defend. If you, if you have to get the eighth guy down in the box uh, to stop the run, and, and that's just going to open up a lot of room back there, and especially if you're playing a cover two shell, the middle of the field is going to be wide open, and that's what Martin Manley was able to exploit. Let's talk the running back situation for a bit. They're clearly going to need Bullock back and, and, and Garmin, obviously, but and Kirk's indicated that Bullock's highly doubtful, and Garmin's probably not really going to come back this week. Um, but he, at his Tuesday press conference, he talked about what's been lost in, in the injury thing is the fact that how well Bullock was running before he was hurt. And and if you look at the yards per rush and so forth, and Garmin the same way. But then you have you know an instant star born and Mark Wiseman, who's anything but fancy, but boy, he's he's brutalizing the 
opposing defense, at least last Saturday. The game's a unique game. I mean, body styles work. You know, Fred Russell, that style worked in the Iowa rushing game. You know, I mean, low center gravity guys that, one, they get lost behind the linemen, you know, and they're hard to see. And two, that are hit in there fast and quick. And then three, once you get on them, they're hard to get underneath because they, they are playing with such a low pad level and running behind their shoulder pads that, and, and they're so stocky and built that when you do hit them on the legs unless you're wrapping up they're not going down and that's exactly what he was able to show I mean he's a big time player and, and I don't see it changing I mean I think he's built for this offense and I think he's going to be an effective player through the rest of the season. What kind of flexibility in today's offenses you don't see dual back sets run often anymore but if you were an opposing defense right now after last week even when you get Bullock and Garmin back and when they're in a where they have Wiseman in the game, whether it's in an eye or he's in a slot or offset, aren't you going to have to kind of game plan a little bit for the possibility that they're not going to be reluctant to hand it off to Wiseman any more than they would be the tailback? Well, that's, a, that's a good point. Is If you can have a, not a true fullback position, but two split backs where you can literally hand it zone one way or the other and, and, and have an option read off the, the other way, that would be a tough thing to, to, to get ready to defend. I, I, think, what, I think the next step for teams when if they're going to try to take on Iowa is to load the box take away the run and play man-to-man that, that's what I would do I mean I would try to lock down Martin Manley Fedorowicz with with safeties and and play man-to-man and bring more guys down there in the box and try to force them to throw it and try to try to force them to beat you and then you know hopefully that's where Keenan Davis and Manley uh, you know and Fedorowicz can start making some plays you know Cotton made a big catch for us the other day I mean it was good to see him get in the game and and so but that's I think the next evolution of what defenses are going to try to do to us and, and and try to make them beat you with a passing game and, and force, you know, try to force Iowa to become one-dimensional. Because when Iowa's running the ball effectively, their whole offensive package opens up and, and is very, very effective. Clearly the best performance, but the offensive line, you can really see some development there. Now, granted, UNI's defense, certainly in the second half and by the fourth quarter, was getting a little beat up, especially with Wiseman's bruising running style. But they opened huge holes running, and they pass-blocked nicely. Vandenberg really wasn't hurried very much and not sacked last Saturday. Yeah, I thought he was throwing the ball on time, and, and, and the rhythm looked good, and, and the pocket was clean, and you know it was it was a very very nice performance from that standpoint. At least two of the three parts of the defense continued to look like it's developing nicely. Linebacking core, a couple of mistakes there, but overall pretty effective. The defensive line is, has to be the most surprising thing in development so far this year. I, I love watching them play. I mean, I think they contest every square foot of the football field at all times. I think they're tough kids. They play with great leverage. You know, the one thing that they're doing is they're playing team defense, you know, especially in the short yardage plays when it's third and one, third and two. I mean, everybody knows they got gap assignments. And if you look, Look, for these backs, there is no place to go. I mean, everything is covered up by the D linemen, by the linebackers, by the edge setters. I mean, there's absolutely no place for those backs to go, and that's just good team defense. You know, if you got one guy inside that thinks, "Well, I need to help out in the B or C gap," well, now you're vulnerable in the A gap, and they're not doing that right now. They are pushing their gap, pressing it, using great leverage, and then finding the football. And so, it's been fun to watch those third down and short plays when teams think they can line up and run it against you, and they can't get it. So they're forced to punt. Those are great, great things for Iowa's defense. Yeah, and the other thing, even a against some pretty high-speed type offenses, mobile quarterbacks, the opposing offenses aren't getting much of anything out of stretch plays either. Well, that's, you know, it is good because, I mean, if you watch Iowa, they, they're always going to try to have three over two, which I would which I would refer to as three defensive guys over two receivers. And when you do that, you're kind of leaving it 
vulnerable inside, you know, for the running game. And then they've been very, very stout. Our, ga- our guys are able to get back into the running mix when they have to, when they see the ball running. And so our, our guys that are out in pass coverage can get in the mix and help out. And so it's it's a tough defense to, to move the ball effectively against. You have to basically just take what they give you, and they're not giving you anything. You, they're contesting everything. But just try to be able to just dink and dunk, dink and dunk, dink and dunk, get five yards on a run here, convert on third downs, and make play after play after play to go down the field on them because they're not going to give you the easy, you know, the easy touchdown. I asked Kirk at the press conference, and I'll ask you the same question. He made a lot of coaching changes, and most of the focus has been on the two coordinators. But, you know, there were reassignments and new coaches brought in. And going into the season, I think everybody thought the D-line, the the youth and an experience there both would be maybe the biggest issue on the team. How much credit should we give to Reese Morgan, who moved over from the offensive line? I mean, so far, at least this season, he deserves some kind of credit because there's a good development going on there. Reese Morgan's brilliant. And one, I think he's 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 built, I think he's built to be a head coach. I mean, his personality, the way he goes about his business, very, very professional, treats guys with respect, uh, very demanding, um, and just a great guy. And, a, and a, obviously a great coach to be able to do that, make that transition, and to be able to have that group playing so well is a tribute to him and the kids. Ultimately, it's the kids, but but ultimately, um, you know, I mean, they're, they are playing at a high level, and they're playing with a lot of pride. And like I said, the one thing I think they are doing, they're playing as a unit, and that's the most important thing is if you're if you're playing with all 11 and they're playing together and doing their assignment, knowing the guy next to them doing theirs, then you got a tough defense. After the Big Ten update, Marv talks the Big Ten and previews the Central Michigan game. It is now first and goal from the one. They went to Weissman last time from this distance. He gets it again. Weissman to the goal line. He is in. Mark Weissman for the second time in the game from the one-yard line. Right now, the Iowa Hawkeyes front offensive lineman really doing an excellent job. Mark Weissman, two yards, two rushes, two touchdowns. A two-yard average, not bad. So now he's got four carries on the season, (laughs) and two of them are for touchdowns. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. (laughs) How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on. Up to 10 washings. Moisturizes. Alcohol-free. And safe for the kids. So go ahead. Touch anything and everything. Ew, a toilet. Prefins. Keep your hands germ-free all day. In our Big Ten update this week, given its lackluster performance against other FBS teams in non-conference play, no team from the Big Ten will likely finish in contention for the national championship. Michigan State was the last best hope, and it laid a giant egg in losing to Notre Dame last Saturday in East Lansing. The conference is only 4-8 and eight overall against teams from other BCS-level conferences, and even some of those wins were scratched out with key plays late in the fourth quarter of games or dependent on other teams turning the ball over or missing field goals. It's also important to remember that no Big Ten team has made it through conference play unbeaten since Ohio State did that in 2006. Scott Docterman did a very interesting piece in the Gazette earlier this week highlighting some of those odd stats for conference teams. There are many complete reversals, including Wisconsin, which led the league in offensive yards per game a year ago, now ranks dead last. They're even 57 yards behind Iowa, which ranks 11th. Michigan is 
last in points allowed per game. Last year, that team ranked second in that category. Nebraska is last in rushing defense, and Michigan State led the conference a year ago in sacks with 45. Right now, the Spartans rank last with only two sacks through the first three games. There are more of these, so be sure to check out Scott's article. And with some key losses, the Big Ten is suffering in the national polls. Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, and Nebraska, they're all ranked between 16 and 25 in the AP poll. In the USA Today coaches poll, Ohio State isn't even eligible because it's on probation. That leaves Michigan, Michigan State, Nebraska, and Wisconsin sitting between 17 and 24 in those rankings. That means that no Big Ten team is in the top 15 in either poll the first time that's occurred in 11 years. The other side of that coin, however, is that all of this means the conference has no great, perhaps not even really good teams, which arguably gives Iowa fans hope for the Hawkeyes the rest of the season. Marv and I will talk more about this in part two of his interview. Some interesting individual and team stats at this point in the season through the first three games in NCAA rankings. Iowa is 23rd in total defense and tied for 18th in scoring defense. Anthony Hitchens is number six in tackles per game, while Joe Gaglione is ranked 19th in tackles for loss per game. And one other interesting note this week, Northwestern, which has some of the worst athletic facilities in the nation for a major college program, announced plans to build a spectacular new lakefront $225 million indoor facility that will include both indoor and outdoor practice fields, coaches' offices, strength and conditioning, and academic services, and this will be the first time that all of those will be within a single facility for the Wildcats. We'll see if that helps them in recruiting once it's completed. Hello, good evening, and welcome to the middle of the film. Just a reminder that you can participate in all of our shows by offering your own comments and opinions on the Hawks. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Call 866-74-HAWKS. Make your voice heard. Visit HawkeyesMike.com. Go to the News and Events section and check out the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. You can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes, and you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. Also, be sure to check out all of the Hawkeyes stories, features, and blogs in the Gazette and the Hawkeye and the Quad City Times. And listen to Brent Balbinot on Hawkeye's Mike and on the Balbinot and Brummel Camp Show weekdays 4 to 7 p.m. on KGYM, ESPN Sports Radio in Cedar Rapids, and at KGYMRadio.com. And broadcast school has really paid off. Next, Marv looks at the state of the Big Ten through three weeks, and he previews Iowa's home game against Mac opponent Central Michigan. Before we turn to Central Michigan, I continue to be surprised. The uh, lack of Big Ten wins against quality opponents so far this season. Last Saturday, another stunning outcome in East Lansing. I mean, it wasn't so much that Notre Dame won that game, but Michigan State looked awful. And the Big Ten is not winning the big games against non-conference opponents this year. Well, Notre Dame's talented. They're loaded. And this is the third year under Coach Kelly, and they're going to be a force for years to come now. And so that's they made Michigan State look bad. Michigan State's talented. 
talented. Quarterback's not ready yet. I mean, he's this is his first go at it. You know, he's going to have some growing pains, uh, as we know, with new quarterbacks. But, uh, yeah, you know, I'm going on record. I was going to be 9-1 and one going in the last two weeks of the season. I mean, I, I, they, their schedule is set up so good for them to be in the mix and be playing in the championship title. When Wisconsin needs a missed 30-plus yard field goal to beat Utah State is amazing. There's, I should say to not lose to Utah State. I don't know. Uh, it's, you know, in Ohio State struggle with Cal and, uh, you know, Minnesota looks like a team that could be on the uprise, you know. So it's it's the Big Ten's wide open, and that's great for Iowa. And, uh, you know, the good thing about these first four weeks is they get a chance to get their, their legs underneath them. They get a chance to develop their identity and start playing better football as they get into Big Ten play. So I, I think this schedule is absolutely set up perfect for them to be playing in the Big Ten championship game at the end of the year. Michigan and the conference gets another chance at redemption against Notre Dame. They play at Notre Dame Saturday, and we'll see what happens in that game because right now, other than Ohio State, which is an eligible, Michigan looks to be about pick and, of the and, litter. And, <laughs> you know, and, I, and I think they're going to struggle. I mean, I think Notre Dame is athletically gifted and talented and tough in Michigan. You know, I mean, you, you go back and look at what Alabama to them now. Obviously, Alabama's an incredible team, but Michigan's still still in the early phases of Coach Hoke and what he's trying to accomplish at Michigan, and they're, get, they're getting there, and they're going to continue to get better. But ultimately, I think Notre Dame will learn a lot from last year's game and, and be better prepared going into this year. Not that we're talking about that game, but, but uh, you know, it, I, it is exciting to think that I was going to be right in the mix of this thing at the end of the year and, and have a chance. Who would have thought the week before the opening game that the two teams that are undefeated in the Legends division after three weeks are Northwestern and yeah. Minnesota? Yeah, yeah, good point. <laughs> Let's turn to Central Michigan now. This is another MAC team. They're one and one on the season. They have a veteran quarterback. It's a team that apparently focuses more on the run game than it does the pass, which will be a little bit of a change of pace for the Hawkeyes defense. What do you expect to see out of this game, and who are you focusing on both offensively and defensively? For well, I, mean, I think, as you mentioned, that they're going to they're going to try to run the ball, and they're going to try to be effective running the football. Well, I'm, I'm telling you right now, that's going to be difficult against this Iowa defense. I mean, there's they, they are they are playing at a very very high level right now, and and uh, I think a lot of it is is that our coverage guys are so talented that they're able to, to put more focus on the running game, knowing that over the top we've got things locked down. So you know, so that's what I want to see is I want to make sure that first of all that they're not getting five six yards of pop on the running game, and then we're keeping them in third and line, third and nine, third and ten, third and eleven situations. If we do that, then I was going to be able to pin their ears back a little bit and get after this team and kind of overwhelm them a little bit with the, with their personnel and their talent. So you know, that, offensively, that's what I'm looking for from Central Michigan and defensively from Iowa. Offensively for us, I mean, it's I think you just continue to see a development, an involvement of, of what they're trying to do, and, and that's you know continue to run the ball effectively. You'll probably see a little bit more screens and in 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 kind of different plays that really force a defense to start looking around going, we got to prepare for this now as we get into Big Ten play and see them open up a little bit more. And so I, I think we'll see some of that and hopefully see some shots down the field and ultimately just continue to see guys like Keenan Davis hopefully develop into the, you know, an elite type of player that we've been waiting for and Fedorowicz to do the same. And, and uh, you know, I think they're going to have a lot of opportunities on Saturday to be able to do that. Prediction on the score? You know, I think I was going to, I think I was going to get the offense going. I think we can get in the 35-40 range point total wise against this team. And, and I think defensively they'll, they'll do their job and keep them under, you know, 10, 14 points. And, and this could be a great Saturday. This could be one of those great games for Iowa to get things clicking a little bit and have some confidence as they head into Big Ten season. Yeah, one final note on special teams. Do you have any philosophy on or thoughts? Is there an advantage to utilizing two place kickers, one for field goals and PATs, and, and the so that that's all they're focusing on, and the other purely for kickoff so they can focus on booming it? Because I know we've talked in the past, Meyer has not been very good consistently at booming the kickoffs in or through the end zone. He 
he's got a little bit better the last week or so. Iowa does have a young kicker from Solon who looks like he can boom it through mm-hmm. the end zone consistently. Is there, as the season goes on, is there any concern that that you're wearing down one kicker, your your yeah, place kicker? That's a good, you know, we've had that issue in the past. We, Rob Hotland, a long time ago, um, was kicking a lot early in the season, and whether it was extra points, kickoffs, and actually strained his quad, and so he had to. He basically just became the field goal kicker, and they stuck some young tight end in there to kick off, and uh, it was unfortunately me. And they used to coach Price; he helped me a lot, and uh, so I did the kickoff uh, to cover yeah. for Rob Howland. And uh, I wasn't good at it. I mean, I could kick the ball decent enough and put it in play, but but it, honestly, it's a specialist game. And if you've got the guy on the roster, it makes sense to go ahead and kick him off. And the, the, you know, the new rule changes now: the ball coming out the twenty-five changes things up a little bit. I think you're see more teams, you know, trying to bloop the ball in the corners and really pin it down and try to knock it down inside the twenty. So I think uh, I think uh, I think ultimately you'll see more teams starting to do that with a specialist type kind of guy, kickoff guy. Yeah, Marshall Cohn was the guy I was referring yeah, to yeah. because he's already had his red shirt year yep. used, so there'd be no disadvantage to putting him into that spot right now. The only disadvantage is on a road game if you got a travel roster and you, and you don't have a spot to take an extra kicker, but usually there's enough personnel guys where you can get away with that. I love it when a plan comes together. <laughs> Not a lot of success for Northern Iowa on third down, just one for five. Here it comes again, third and ten. Or Morgan, kind of wobbly, was it picked off? Donatell, first down Hawkeyes, interception, Tom Donatell, second of the season. Nice job by Donatell right here, reading the eyes of Cole Morgan. Man coverage up front, two deep safety, gets his hands underneath the ball. HawkeyesMike.com. It's sports talk radio on the internet. Just for you, the Iowa fan. All sports, all Hawks, all the time. Hawkeyes Mike football shows are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer, the revolutionary antimicrobial hand sanitizer that is alcohol-free and lasts all day with a single application. Try the hand sanitizer the Iowa Hawkeyes use. And remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group, Wells Fargo Advisors Financial Network in Coralville, Iowa. Call 319-512-6261 or toll free 800-883-0842. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. Our thanks again to the Big Ten Network for the game highlights this week, and as always, special thanks to Marv Cook. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you will participate by phoning and making your own voice heard on our shows. Call 866-74-HAWKS. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.